Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is a production of ITM Media. Hey everyone, Matt Beamer here in the Marbles Nation. I am back and we are doing episode 89 here of In the Marbles. So glad that you're with us, whether you're on the Unhinged Sports Network, your regular podcast platform, or on YouTube. More than appreciative of everybody being here supporting the show. Flying solo again this week because Preston is on vacation with his family. He will be back for next week's episode. A lot of exciting stuff coming down the pipe for In the Marbles. We're looking forward to bringing you every second of it. But what an exciting weekend. Hope everybody had a safe and enjoyable weekend. Uh, if you tuned into the Unhinged Sports Network Sunday morning for the race day show, we had some issues here. We had some storms coming through Sunday night or Saturday night, I should say. And knocked out power. It, it was just a colossal mess. So apologize to everybody at the Unhinged Sports, Sports Network for expecting that show. We just didn't get it there. It was just a fault of Mother Nature. Some, sometimes Mother Nature dictates what happens on the racetrack as well as what happens here in the podcast studios here at ITM Media Studios. But we're so glad that you're with us here covering the exciting, dramatic, passionate, dominating weekend and i know that was a lot of adjectives that was charlotte for nascar and indianapolis for the indianapolis 500 going to bring you all that stuff and all the race highlights and statistics and a few what you things coming in here with that it's going to be a lot of fun so make sure to stick with us now through the end of the show a couple of quick housekeeping tips to keep up here with everybody if you head over to our website in the marbles.net you will see a chat log or little chat bubble there at the lower right hand side of the web page go ahead drop us a line with your it will ask for some information worry not we do not give out any information whatsoever i i know that's a big thing with people now giving away information but it's only used just to stay in touch with the fans and it'll give you an opportunity to chat with us an easier avenue if you don't want to if you don't use twitter or facebook out there and in the marbles nation but i hope everybody's doing well it was a fun weekend of racing, and we're just going to go ahead and head into our opening thoughts of what you think. And we're going to go back to last week. Our Patreon, Matt Camper, agreed with myself and Preston about the Monaco race not being held on Memorial Day weekend, right before the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. And 
He agrees that it should be on Memorial Day weekend. Let us know what you think. What you think? I keep saying what you think because that's what I spell it with with a, with a Y A Y A. But it, it's a lot of fun. It's a good way to stay in touch. Matt Camper was the first one to use hashtag What You Think ITM. And so make sure to do that. It's going to be right here on the side here if you're watching YouTube, but it will be on the post when we post out this week's episode on Twitter and Facebook. But I got a few things, a few opinions that I caught out throughout the week, and it's just one of those things where we're going to kick it kind of old school here, take it back to maybe the early 2000s, mid-2000s here with NASCAR, and this is where this comes up. Now that we have the Gen 6 about to go to the Gen 7 car here in NASCAR, a lot of ideas have been thrown flowing through my head and just wondering how can we make the playing field more even lately we've been seeing a ton of domination mainly from the part of hendrick but we saw it also at darlington with joe gibbs racing and martin truex jr we saw it at dover we saw it at atlanta with hendrick motorsports we saw it and definitely at charlotte during the coca-cola 600 with kyle larson it's just it seems like if you have the car to beat, you have the car to beat, and everybody's at a disadvantage because everybody's stuck in this box here. And if you're a fan of NASCAR, been a fan of NASCAR since, for I say forever, since maybe the mid-80s, 70s, all the way to now, I mainly remember it from the mid-2000s, where it seemed like weekly, or maybe every few months here, NASCAR would come out with rule changes, changing up the noses or the rear spoilers for Pontiacs to match up with the Chevys, the Fords to match up with the Dodges, or any one of those four combinations right there that tries to limit and not limit, but equalize the field. And here's my first question here. Does NASCAR need to go back to the day where they make changes to the car as far as the rear spoiler or front nose to make sure that teams, mainly the manufacturers such as Ford, Toyota, and Chevy, are on the on this level of a playing field as possible. And I say, yes. And the reason I say that is because we see these dominations after dominations, and, and it kind of creates a boring show. And I, I was listening to Series XM. I forget who I was listening to, but he was talking about an encounter. I think it was Todd Parrott who had an encounter with Bill France Jr. in the late 90s after a Dell Jarrett victory at Atlanta. Bill France comes up and taps on the rear spoiler, talking to Todd, and pulls out a pocket knife with scissors. This is according to Todd Parrott, by the way. This is the first time I ever heard this story. And says, you're going to... And the backstory to it is, Dell Jarrett won that Atlanta race by a half a lap. Just dominated the race, won it by a half a lap. So he goes up to the car after the race, says, congratulations on the dominating victory. This is Bill France Jr. talking takes out a pocket knife with some scissors and says, quit stinking up my show, probably threatening to cut down the rear spoiler of the Fords here coming up. Now, we've heard it in the past. I know Dale Earnhardt was a big advocate. Don't change this because it will hurt the Chevys. And you can talk about the Fords and the Pontiacs back in the day and the Dodges and the Toyotas now trying to gain any every advantage over the competition that they can. And I think we probably need to go back down. However, it's going to be tough because now it's in such a tight box. There's no such thing as the template game anymore. It is a laser measuring system that NASCAR puts the car in and pretty much ensures that everything's on the same playing field. And if you're not cheating in NASCAR, you're really not going to have a competitive car if you play by the rules. And that's just part of the game. And that's part of the spirit of the game because NASCAR is the only sport where the 
the ball, the object in play is regulated to this degree. And of course, NASCAR doesn't want to just say, let's open up the rule books and see what happens throughout the course of the races. And I don't blame them on that because then you're just going to have people running wild and it could become a safety issue as the ball rolls down the hill. But I do have to say, I, I think it's a good idea to give the front end and the rear end wiggle room for specific team manufacturers. The Ford doesn't feel like they have the competitiveness of the Chevy change the aerodynamics of the Ford. If the Toyota now feels left out because Chevy and Ford are going down this road where they're getting better, will then help out the Toyotas. And it's kind of, it would get to the point, and I remember this, where it seems like the dog is chasing its tail and not being able to catch it because one week the Fords might run well, then the Chevys will complain, and thus Toyota will complain. But then Chevy and Toyota will do well. Now Ford's left out in the dark. And it's just a never-ending cycle here of twists and turns that could be that could lead NASCAR down the road where they did come up with this concept. Everybody has the same nose, same name, same rear spoiler. But I think we I think it would be beneficial for NASCAR to get back to that. I think it would be a lot of fun seeing how the changes would affect the racing and as a whole. Because you really can't touch the engines. The engines are set in stone. But I remember, I think it was Charlie a few episodes ago or Preston himself saying that he misses the, they missed the body guys there with the English will molding that body to where it is. I miss that as well. But I think those days are pretty much gone, especially now that everything's going to be stamped out and put together and shipped to the teams. Teams put their logos, their number and sponsors on the car and everybody's kind of the same in that. It's just going to be one of those cases where we'll have to wait and see with the Gen 7 car. I raced it a few times on iRacing. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch these cars on track. But we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe the quality of racing goes up in the next few years. And this topic I'm bringing up right now will be a mood point at that stage. But we'll have to wait and see. And my second one, again, listening to Series XM radio and thinking about this, not during the course of the weekend, but on the drive home after work today. Do you miss a NASCAR race pulling double duty, which means racing the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 in a day? And do you think it will help both sports? And I, the short answer to that is yes. And going down a rabbit hole here, I remember seeing Tony Stewart doing in 2001. Now, I've re- just getting into the sport of NASCAR and really racing in general, I knew about the Indianapolis 500, but not much about the Coke 600. Seeing Tony Stewart complete 1,100 miles in a day, he started from the back during the 600, finished third that race, I believe, in the 2001 Coca-Cola 600. It was so interesting to watch because it made me want to watch that transition from IndyCar to stock car, and I watched the Indianapolis 500 that year as well as the Coca-Cola 600. More interested in the Coke 600 because I just became more of a fan of NASCAR faster than I did IndyCar. But I think it would be good for both sports. I believe the last person to do it was about four or five years ago, and that was Kurt Busch, one rookie of the race there in the Indianapolis 500 and then raced 600 miles. I think it would be good for the sport. I think it would be good for not just NASCAR, but IndyCar as well, provide more coverage for NASCAR fans to go over to IndyCar and watch their driver potentially or just any stock car driver going in there racing it. And again, on the flip side, if anybody wants to come from IndyCar and race NASCAR, the 600 miles, my, my first thought would be Connor Daly, who led the most laps in Indianapolis 
this past weekend for the 500 coming over and racing the 600. And I think that would be great because then that would draw a lot of IndyCar fans. And I hate to say, and this is probably a topic for another episode, and it definitely is, I think, I could see it one day where NASCAR and Indy join forces and become one organization, kind of like baseball, where you have the American League and National League just have the IndyCar open-wheel division and stock car division. I think we'll go down that rabbit hole later on in the future here. But that is what you think. And remember, use hashtag what you think ITN media. Easy to use. It lets you know what it will let me know and Preston know what you guys think about the topics and bring up topics of your own. We'll read them on the show and give Preston and I will give our opinions of that once we get to it. But that was all I have for that segment. And now we're just going to get into the crazy weekend that was the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. Folks, going to take a quick break from the show here and remind everyone out there about In the Marbles online store at Teespring. There you can find all your In the Marbles gear, such as t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, iPhone cases, cell phone cases, and so much more. So everyone, whether you're at the NASCAR track or local short tracks, that you are a fan and avid listener of In the Marbles. All purchases will help In the Marbles bring you more content in the future. If you head over to InTheMarbles.net under the Merch tab, You'll find the link to Teespring, or if you go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles, you can find it there as well. And from now till the end of June, if you use discount code TROPHY, earn 20% off your entire order. Again, that's discount code TROPHY, 20% off your entire order. Go over to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles and check it out. All right, starting off the races at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, we had the truck race in North Carolina Educational Lottery 200, won by John Hunter Nemechek in that Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyota. Third win of the season. He is on a roll. He's definitely a championship to contender to keep your eye on. Kyle Busch Motorsports does a great job, no matter whether they're in the Xfinity or Truck Series. They have the equipment to beat. They have the backing from Toyota, and they have a really good driven team owner in Kyle Busch. Expect that team to make it to the Final Four there at Phoenix and possibly even come out with a win. John Henry Nemechek, if he's not on your radar in the truck series as far as champions, he needs to be He needs to be there back at Daytona because he is a force to be reckoned with. Noticeable finishers of the race. Ty Majeski starting 31st and finishing 7th. Great run for him. And excuse me if I butcher the name, Carson Heckever, again, I, I, I don't. I'm sorry if I butchered the name. Started ninth, finishing second. Very good. I've never even heard of him. And again, if I butchered the name, I am so sorry about that. But starting ninth, finishing second. But the really the highlight of the race for I think everybody there at the track and watching on TV was just this crash involving Johnny Stoddard, Drew Dollar, and Terry Hutchins. Right there at the entrance to the trioval, very scary collision right there for Johnny Sauter. And, and this is the perk to watch the races live. This is why you want to watch the races live as often as you can, whether it's Formula One, Indy, NASCAR, IMSA, whatever racing series you're interested in, watch it live because then you get to see that initial reaction 
to the event. In this case, the scare reaction involving mainly Johnny Sauter, who had the right side of his truck just all torn up after that collision with Hutchins and Drew Dollar hitting him, kind of sandwiching him in between those two trucks. But, man, what a scary crash. And you watch it live, and your breath is taken away by the violence of that impact. And I think what scared everybody during that time was the protocol is for NASCAR, if you're new to NASCAR or new to auto racing, a driver will do something in order to signal to the safety crews that he's okay in order for them to either expedite their transition to the vehicle or to say, okay, he's okay. According to this procedure, we can move hastily to ensure that he's okay, but we don't have to rush to the car, to the accident scene per se. And that signal in NASCAR is putting down the window net and Johnny Sauter. And I know, I'm sure everybody was looking because the cameras focused right on the rear of his vehicle, saw that there was really little to no movement in there that we saw and the window net didn't come down until maybe 30, 45 seconds after. I dare say he might have had the wind knocked out of him. I don't know. I didn't hear anything from him after the accident. He was very frustrated in that, and I can't blame him. He had a good, solid truck and opportunity for a good top 10, maybe a top 5 finish when it was all said and done for the Educational Lottery 200. Very frustrated, but glad to see he's okay. And again, I go back to you want to watch these races live to see that take-your-breath-away moment. You know, when I was there for the 2020 Daytona 500, when Ryan Newman flipped in front of us and was airborne after getting hit by Corey LaJoy, that was a take-your-breath-away moment that everybody in the stands collectively experienced. And those watching at home can't get the full feel of it. You need to be at the track for that. Because I know if I would have seen that Johnny Sauter crash at the track, my reaction would have been a lot more hair-raising than it was watching it at home. Fortunately, Johnny Sauter was okay. Very glad to see that. But I give the overall rating for the truck race an 8. It was a good, solid race all around. It wasn't dominated by one person. John Hunter Niemicek ran a fantastic race, finishing, did exactly what he needed to do for all three stages of that race. I feel bad for Sheldon Creed getting caught up in an accident. He was doing very well up to the point of that accident late in stage 3. But it was a very fun race to watch. The Truck Series rarely, hardly ever disappoints. And this was one of them. Again, overall rating of an 8. Let us know what you rated the race by following you in the marbles on all social media platforms. Let us know how you rated the race. And we'll compare notes for the following week's episode. Xfinity Race, 300 miles from the Charlotte Motor Speedway. This name keeps popping up, whether it's in the Arca Series or the Xfinity Series. Ty Gibbs. Leading 20 laps, he didn't really dominate. Really, the dominator of the race was Daniel Hemrick. Again, bad luck strikes Joe Gibbs racing in the Xfinity Series and Daniel Hemrick. Daniel is such an amazing talent, and I think Daniel is to this point now beating himself. He's putting himself in positions to get caught up in accidents, taking himself out of contentions. In order to win races, you have to first finish races. That's a famous quote from the movie Days of Thunder. I believe Randy Quaid was the one that said that. But you need to finish races. Daniel Hemrick is not finishing where he needs to, nor keeping the fenders on the car in order for him to even have a chance to win. Dominating that race up to the point of the accident, which really handed the win over to Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs is the future, ladies and gentlemen. Like it or not, And the fact that he's the grandson of 
Joe Gibbs ensures that he has a good equipment and a pipeline from the Arca series full time to the trucks. I, I, I would say he even skips, skips the trucks. He's proven himself now twice in the Xfinity series, up to the Xfinity series, maybe wins a championship or two from there. Denny Hamlin's got not getting any younger. He might jump into a Denny Hamlin car by the time it's all said and done. Kyle Busch isn't getting any younger, but I think he has a few more years up than Denny Hamlin. Truex isn't getting any younger. You look at Joe Gibbs compared to Hendrick Motorsports, and Joe Gibbs is the old vets. You take a team like Hendrick Motorsports, who has a bunch of young, new guys dominating the sport. Gibbs was where Hendrick was right now a few years ago. I feel a change in the guards coming down here soon. Again, that's a topic for another episode, but watch out for this guy coming up. I predicted it here on the show. He's going to win a few championships within five years, maybe even a Cup Series champion. I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if he wins it here in the next five years. Maybe 20, 28 was a good number to shoot for. No later than that, but maybe sooner than that, maybe 2026. 20, oh, and not to mention that later on in that day after he won the Xfinity race, this being Ty Gibbs, wins the, wins the ARCA race in dominating fashion. Just nobody could catch him. That was a fun race to watch. If you guys want to watch good, solid racing from people and drivers trying to make it big into the sport, ARCA racing is fun to watch. Any chance you get, Watch them. Arca Racing is so much fun. We're going to get more into that next week, I assure you. Notable finishers from the Xfinity race. Brandon Brown starting 32nd in finishing 4th. It was a lot of fun to watch that race again. I rated the race overall for the Xfinity Series at Charlotte as an 8. Good all-around racing. Fun to watch. Drama on every turn. It was a great show. Xfinity race. Xfinity just like the truck racing, rarely puts on a bad show. Everybody trying to make a name for themselves for those top seats in the Cup Series. Xfinity Series overall in eight. And now we get to the Cup Series where it was Hendrick again. Hendrick dominates Charlotte. Hendrick breaks Richard Petty's all-time winning as a team organization. Breaking that 268 win mark. Hendrick Motorsports now with 269 and many more to go. And there's no sign of them stopping. Hendrick Motorsports is going to be in this sport until the day, which I don't foresee this ever happening, until the day NASCAR folds its doors and says we're done forever till the end of times. Hendrick Motorsports is going to be with NASCAR. Who's to say they don't get 500 here within the next 10 years? I believe it with the track that they're on. With Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, and William Byron. They're a young team. They're a young organization. Hendrick likes to say we're not one team with four cars. We're one team, and that's the way they look at it. I I guarantee you if I was Rick Hendrick, he would be looking at Kyle Larson from this week and saying, great job, but then going over to Chase Elliott, William Byron, Alex Bowman, and said, well, you guys didn't win. What can we do in order to improve those odds? He wants it every race week, and, and I'm sure every team owner does this, just like at Dover, one, two, three, four. Kyle Larson, second win in 2021, first one coming at Las Vegas, another mile-and-a-half track. This one, though, 600 miles. This is his first race that he's won that is over 400 miles. Congratulations to him. 
leading 327 of the 400 laps. So the record still stands for Martin Truex Jr. leading the most laps and winning it back in 2016. Thought Kyle Larson would get it done. Pit cycles didn't fall into place. And it was kind of one of those races where if you liked accidents, a few cut tires, a few cars into the wall due to that. But nothing really crazy happened. It was just a good race for Hendrick Motorsports. It was a good race for Joe Gibbs Racing and more specifically Kyle Busch who finishes third in that race. If you like racing like that, and I've grown more appreciative over the years. Back a year ago, I think this race would have rated maybe a five just because it was just Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. A dominating factor by Kyle Larson in that Hendrick Motorsports team. But now I rated the race, and I'm getting ahead of myself, as an 8. All three NASCAR series races an 8 at Charlotte, including the cup race. And I think I say that because when I was at Darlington a few weeks ago with Preston and saw Martin Truex Jr. race the race that he did and have the dominating force that he did behind that car and just weaving through traffic just like Kyle Larson did at Charlotte, it was beautiful to watch. It was beautiful watching that live. And I think me being at the track was definitely helpful. But then you could listen to other team scanners. And if you're at the track, watch other teams try to get up through the field and pick their lanes and get through lap traffic or race the leaders or do whatever. But it really just, it just really brings it home just how good of a team that is. Now, I say that. Loosely, because if we were talking Formula One and Lewis Hamilton, it isn't a race if you won by 25 seconds over the competition. And if Bill France Jr. was still alive, he would have said, quit stinking up my show, Hendrick, or else I'm going to cut your spoiler. I'm going to change up the front nose. You're going to get be, instead of the high downforce package, you're going to be having a parachute at your end, a little drogue chute, while other everybody else passes you if you're not careful. But that's not the age we live in anymore. Congratulations to Team Hendrick beating Richard Petty's record of 268 races. 269 is crazy. Maybe a few more added on there. Maybe we're looking at the 270s, mid-270s by the end of the 2021 season. But very fun to watch. Very enjoyable. Noticeable finishers. Chris Buescher starting 27th and finishing 8th. Great run for him. Many great things on the horizon. Chris Buescher staying in that 17 car and... Brackislawski coming over, taking Ryan Newman's spot. It's going to be amazing to watch. It's going to be, and I wouldn't expect, we saw it with Stuart Haas Racing, where Tony Stewart came into Stuart Haas Racing, and the magic, he didn't have a magic wand to fix everything. But give it a few years, and Roush Fenray Racing will be racing with a likeness that we haven't seen for a number of years, I say, since 2003, 2004. Racing against the Joe Gibbs Racing and racing against the Hendrick Motorsports for a even racing against Penske for that top spot coming back in. Ralph Fenway Racing is about to, I think, break the mold and set the bar to a whole new level, especially with Rakislowski coming in. 
Other noticeable finisher, Kyle Busch starting 20th, finishing 3rd. Wasn't typical Kyle Busch. If you listen to him on the radio, he wasn't angry at all. When the screw chief asked him how the car was doing, he said his car was doing great. No complaints whatsoever. Very comical, collective throughout the race. Not the normal Kyle Busch you're used to hearing on the radio when stuff doesn't go his way. Still trying to figure out the Hendrick Motorsports and how to catch him. Kyle Busch finishing third, though. Not a bad day for him. Overall rating for the cup race from the Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Coke 600 again in eight. Very good weekend for NASCAR. Very fun to watch all the races. Really enjoy Charlotte and hope to maybe go back there for the Volvo in the fall. Before the Coke 600, though, we did have the Indianapolis 500. The Really, the if you compare the Daytona 500 to the Indianapolis 500, if you're an open-wheel fan, you're going to pick Indy, and if you're a stock car fan, you're going to pick Daytona. But I think the Indianapolis 500 has it as far as the prestige of that race, how old the racetrack is, being Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the history of that racetrack. All the cars that have raced on that racetrack, all the series that have raced on that racetrack, you really can't beat it. Daytona can't beat it. Talladega can't beat it. Charlotte, Darlington, Martinsville. Nobody can come near the prestige that is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And we saw it this weekend with Helio Castanavas winning his fourth Indianapolis 500, joining the likes of A.J. Foyt, Al Unser, Rick Mears as the only drivers to win that prestigious race four times. That's a great company to keep right there. And I enjoyed the passion of Castro Nevis after he won that race, taking his time, stopping on the front stretch, getting out, climbing the fence, hugging everybody. It was First of all, it was great to see all the fans back in the stands. And the place was packed. That was amazing compared to last year where you could shoot cannons in there and nobody gets hit. It was great seeing the sense of normalcy come back after what we experienced last year, not just as Americans, but as a whole, the whole world experience. It's great to see fans back applauding Castro Nevis' win. It was great seeing the passion, him taking his time to get to victory lane. I think it took him maybe 5, 10 minutes, 10 minutes more so, to actually get to victory lane and enjoy the celebrations, high-fiving everybody, hugging everybody. What an accomplishment. They call, they don't call him Spider-Man for no reason whatsoever. Climbing the fence there, cheering on the fans, having the fans kind of get packed into it. And I don't think anybody, like I believe it was Marty Snyder who said nobody left. And those are the moments you want to experience as a race fan and as a sports fan in general. That historic moment, you want to sit there and soak it all in and say, I was there to anybody who could sit down and listen to you. A lot of great time seeing him win that just on TV, but it's still great seeing him. Marblehead, Connor Daly led the most laps at 40. And while I was watching, my uncle texted me and said, you're going to have him on if he wins it? I most certainly would have, but Connor Daly dodged a bullet. And it was Graham Rahal coming out of the pits. And I'm sure if you guys didn't watch the race, go back and YouTube it. The left rear tire came off after a malfunction or mess up there in the pits. Scary looking accident. Thank God for the halo system and the windscreen that IndyCar implemented after the death of Justin Wilson. Though it hit the nose three inches up, that tire would have made contact with the windshield 
And Connor Daly would have been spared if that. If not, I'm sure Connor Daly would have been more scared. That was a scary looking accident. The wheel shouldn't have come off in the first place. That was an unsafe release, or at least it would have been in Formula One. I have to look up the IndyCar rule book to see exactly what came about that as far as rules. I'm glad that everybody was okay from that. I didn't read any reports of that tire hitting anybody. And if I was a fan camping in the infield and that tire came in my campground, well, it looks like I got a free souvenir from the Indianapolis 500, one that with a great backstory behind it. Glad to see Connor Daly rebound there. Noticeable finisher Simon Passion, starting 26, finishing third. And Alex Poulot, who won earlier this year, Started sixth, finishing second. I thought he might be able to catch Julio and pass him. However, the crafty veteran schooled the new guy. And But I, I have a feeling Poulot will definitely get his name and face inscribed on that tr- Indianapolis 500 trophy here in the future. Overall, for the IndyCar race, I rated it a 9. And the reason I did that is, for one, I like the IndyCars racing on ovals more so than I do on road courses and if you go back and listen to our interview with connor daly here at the start of the year you'll you'll hear us talk about that and the idea that connor had with bringing more oval tracks into the sport might help the american fans or fans like me who are kind of on the fence about the sport go over there and watch it because they need highs on that sport except for the indianapolis 500 where the the name of the race itself is so prestigious that it sells tickets without even trying but you're going to hear about that here in the next little bit i'll tell you about that but again overall race rating for the indianapolis 509 and that will be your race of the weekend it was so much fun to watch it's such a great race can't beat really indie cars at indy i don't care if it is nascar charlotte unless i was at the track at nascar at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Not really going to beat the Indianapolis 500. It's definitely on my bucket list of events to go to after the Formula One Grand Prix in Miami, I think. Upcoming races for this weekend, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, June 6th at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on ESPN. Going to be turning, by the way, going to be turning left and right a lot this weekend. A lot of road courses coming up for NASCAR and Formula One, obviously. So that's where the Formula One race races to in Baku. And for the Cup Series, going to be at Sonoma for the Toyota Save Mart 350, June 6th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. First race back at California since the pandemic started last year. Last time they went to California and ran there. Alex Bowman won. That was at Auto Club Speedway. This has been a couple of years since we've seen Sonoma. Always a fun race to watch. Being that it is wine country up there in the northern part of California. Very beautiful spot. I'd like to make it there one day. Xfinity Series, the B&L Transport 170 at Mid-Ohio, June 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on FS1. By the way, if I don't know if I mentioned it, Cup Race is on FS1 as well. No truck race or IndyCar race this weekend. My expectations for the race here, hopefully the... Formula One race is not a race where Lewis Hamilton dominates. Hopefully, he's it's a fun race like we saw at Monaco a few weeks ago where it was a different winner, different podium setup. Hopefully, and that's the key word there, hopefully Mercedes has and the teams have found the chink of Mercedes armor. There are a couple of long straightaways there at Algebra Jaw. 
<laughs> Again, if I butcher it, I am so sorry. We get to see a good race, a memorable race there. Looking forward to that one. As far as uh, the Cup Series, look for the road course specialist to come up there. Chase Elliott's got to be on the top of everybody's list to win that one, continuing the Hendrick domination and his domination at road course races. Martin Truex Jr. is not one to count out. Don't be surprised to see an A.J. Allmendinger up there racing in the Cup Series for calling racing and maybe a dark horse there at the Toyota Save Mart 350. Maybe a Kyle Busch. He's known to be a road course racer as well. Again, tune into our race day show at 12 a.m. exclusively on the Unhinged Sports Network for all you need to know about the Toyota Save Mart 350 at Sonoma. Xfinity Race. Expect the same racers to be up there as you see them all the time. Maybe uh, if I had to pick one and pick a winner right there, since we don't do a race day show for the Xfinity Series, hopefully Kyle Busch, and I don't think Kyle Busch will be flying cross-country, but I want to put it fast and will be entering in that race. But look for a a Noah Gregson. Maybe a Noah Gregson comes out of his slump and wins it, but I'd love to see Daniel Hemrick win at the road course at Mid-Ohio as well. Tune in for all those and join us next week for our wrap-up of those races and ex- and reviews of those races. Should be a lot of fun. But now we're going to do something here that we haven't done in a while, and that is a movie review. I don't know if anybody has... Um, Saw it on Fox Sports or FS1 a few days ago, but it was a new documentary that came out, and it was called Renegades, The Bad Boys of NASCAR. Really interesting film about the, really, who what's considered a bad boy in NASCAR as far as maybe a villain or a hero, and there's a lot of discussion about that. And when I first watched it and saw it come up, I was so afraid they were just going to talk about Dale Earnhardt the whole time. And maybe they took out the hour-long documentary Maybe about spicket, snippets here and there about Del Earnhardt, little dabbled in. But it wasn't a Del Earnhardt-heavy episode. They talked about drivers such as Curtis Turner, Tim Richmond, Daryl Waltrip, Junior Johnson. And it was broken down into five categories. And if I'm giving it away, I'm sorry, but you got to go watch it to get the full feel. It was all Fox Sports presentation of it. I think you can be found on FS1, maybe replays throughout the course of the rest of the year. But there were five points to being a renegade in NASCAR. The first one being get physical, and that talked about the fights, and the driver that came up the most there was Kevin Harvick. We've seen Kevin Harvick get in a few altercations throughout his Cup Series career and Xfinity Series career, then Bush Series. And the one that comes to mind is him hopping over the cars at Bristol after going after Greg Biffle following an altercation there, and him pushing Brad Keselowski into Jeff Gordon following that Texas race where there was a big fight between Jeff Gordon and Brad Keselowski. And the second one was origin stories. And a lot of it came up with bootleggers being the formation of NASCAR and them being really the pioneers of the sport. And the name that came up with the last American hero, Junior Johnson, and just having a good origin story, a good background story, talking about people back in the day where corporate sponsors didn't mean anything. It was just get in a car, put on a helmet, and go race. Those drivers going out there and racing is you don't want to cross them because now drivers have a workout routine. 
the drivers back then, like Hale Yarbrough, used to work on farms. Harry Gant used to build houses, and that was their workout. Now guys have drivers have to follow a specific diet and have to do everything right and not ruffle any feathers because we saw what happened with Kyle Larson, and I know that's a totally different issue, creating a firestorm around him and him being pushed out, whereas, you know, I hate to say, maybe a few years ago that incident would have been just a, oh, okay, maybe, you know, but that's a whole different can of worms there going down that rabbit hole. I hate to use that example as the sole example of maybe a background story, but a good background story is, a driver who had to climb and scratch and scratch and claw his way to the top. Junior Johnson had minimized that, and that's why he was on that list. Speak Your Mind was the third. Tony Stewart came to mind right away when they said that, and, of course, they picked Tony Stewart. And Tony Stewart was never afraid to let drivers know what he thought of their actions, what NASCAR thought of. He thought of NASCAR's actions, what he thought of Goodyear's tires that they brought to the track. If you could sit down in front of Tony Stewart and make a policy or move that affected his race he would let you know about it tony stewart always wanted to speak your mind and that and if i had to pick another driver it'd be kyle bush love him or hate him kyle bush will be remembered here in the next few years after he retires and gets introduced into the hall of fame as a driver that was so good for the sport at the time and we didn't realize it a lot of people look at kyle bush and i'm guilty of it as well and think, what a prick. But if you could back up what you say, then you're a true champion. You're a true renegade of the sport, a true bad boy of the sport, I should say. The fourth one being nickname, and the one that stuck out to me out of all that was Daryl Waltrip and his nickname Jaws, because he used the psychological warfare, they called it at the time, or the introduction of psychological warfare and the cameras to get in people's heads and make them beat themselves so it would make it easier for him on the track. Again, I have to go back to Kyle Busch just chalking all the time. And maybe uh, Joey Logano. A lot of people don't like Joey Logano because of that. But I think Joey Logano will be appreciated just like Kyle Busch here when he retires. And the fifth one, and I think the most important one, and the, and the big takeaway from the Renegade documentary was Forge Your Own Path. Tim Richmond came up in this one. Because when Tim Richmond came into NASCAR in the mid to late 80s, everybody was wearing cowboy hats, belt buckles. And Tim Richmond comes down on the motorcycle with hair down to his shoulders, just doing whatever he wanted to do. The epitome of living life to the fullest was Tim Richmond. And that's what he did on and off the track and ultimately caught up to him, which means there's a there, there is a flip side to that coin. And you can do whatever you like, but it might bite you in the rear end later on in the future unfortunately did with him he would have rewritten the history books but that was uh renegades the bad boys in nascar out of five lug nuts i'll give it four lug nuts only because they did talk about dale earnhardt a little too much in that documentary i think maybe just the nickname and the origin stories maybe like a two-minute snippet of dale earnhardt but talk about everybody else there's more than one person in NASCAR other than Dale Earnhardt. That's the only reason I gave it a four, but look it up on Fox Sports 1, see when it comes out again in your local areas. I highly recommend it. Again, that's Renegades, the bad boys of NASCAR, and we're going to go ahead and get into our final thoughts here. Before we wrap up today's show, I wanted to take a moment to remind everybody out there and in the Marbles Nation about our partnership with Fanatics. 
Fanatics is a proud partner of the Unhinged Sports Network, which we here at In the Marbles are the voice of racing. If you head over to inthemarbles.net under the Partners tab, there you will find a link to Fanatics, and it'll take you right to their NASCAR store, where you can find all your favorite drivers' hats, t-shirts, diecast, and more. But you don't have to just stop there. I buy all my Alabama Crimson Tide gear there, and Preston buys all his South Carolina Gamecock gear there as well. All purchases help out the Unhinged Sports Network bring you the best sports coverage 24-7 at unhingedsn.com. Make sure to head over to the Unhinged Sports Network to listen to your favorite shows, not just in the marbles, but all your sports podcast needs such as football, basketball, hockey, and yes, racing. That's unhingedsn.com. Final thoughts here on this 89th episode of In the Marbles. Thank you again so much for tuning in to us. It really means a lot seeing the numbers go up every week, seeing everybody starting to engage a little more into our product. Really do appreciate it. It means that we're reaching people and making an impact and have good opinions, good show. Again, the next couple of weeks should be a lot of fun for In the Marbles. I don't want to give it all away, but let's just say you don't want to miss the midseason review coming up here the week of June 22nd, and you most definitely don't want to miss next week's episode. That's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned for all of that. But as always, here at In the Marbles, we start off with the In the Marbles 2.0 standings. Really no shakeup here at the In the Marbles 2.0 standings. And if you're new to the show, In the Marbles 2.0 is our fantasy league where at the end of the NASCAR season, if you win our fantasy league, you'll get a $100 Amazon gift card. I would say sign up and start of the 2022 NASCAR season because at this point, you're not going to catch anything. You might get a few points here and there, maybe be in the top 10 if you're lucky because it doesn't look like the top, the bottom three have moved at all. But SMR R&D still in the lead. Preston, who is SMR Operations, is second. Camp, Matt Camper, who was leading for a while, is now third. S Blades fourth. I'm fifth. Smoking Woody sixth. Chuck eighty three eighty four jumped to seventh over Unhinged Racing, which is Jim from the Unhinged Sports Network. Summer Racing is ninth. Forty three and me tenth. Eleventh Bun three and twelfth is Shake and Bake. And now my favorite part, my personally, my personal favorite part of the show or driver of the week this week in NASCAR and our driver of the week this week is Morgan Shepard born October 12th 1941 in Ferguson North Carolina his achievements in NASCAR include the 1980 NASCAR late model sportsman division champion and he holds the record as the oldest driver to start a NASCAR cup series race at 72 years of age over his 29-year career in NASCAR, he's ran 517 races, best finish in the points of fifth in 1990, first race coming into 1970, Hickory 276 at Hickory, North Carolina Speedway, his last race coming into 2014, Camping World RV Sales 301 in New Hampshire, his first win, 1981 Virginia 500 at the famed Martinsville Speedway in its last win in 1993, Motocraft Quality Parts 500 at Atlanta. Four wins, 168 top tens, and seven pulls. Morgan Shepard, your driver of the week this week here at In the Marbles. And for this week in NASCAR, we, head, we go back to June 1st of 1958. 
Riverside International Waste Raceway in Southern California opens up with three 500-mile races in one weekend. Wouldn't that be something to see these days? I don't think you'll see that again, but in 1958, I guess that was a thing. Eddie Gray captures the Crown America 500 for the NASCAR Grand National Series in an event taking more than six hours to complete. Now you add that all together, that's over 18 hours of racing in those three days combined. 1,500 miles of racing. Sounds good to me, but for other people, might not be so much. But that's all I got here for this episode of In the Marbles. Again, follow In the Marbles on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And also head over to InTheMarbles.net for links to all of that. Make sure to check out that chat button at the bottom. And we're just going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to us this week. I want to remind everybody that our, about our race day show at noon on exclusively on the Unhinged Sports Network. We'll get you ready for Sonoma. Again, sorry about last week. For Preston Lude, who's not here, I'm Matt Beamer. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Stay safe and have a good rest of the week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.